What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Medium Kareen. Welcome to my space where I'm able to share my gift and life with you. I will also be interviewing other mediums, psychics, healers, shamans, astrologers, you know, magical people. I hope this episode helps you to heal, grow, and learn more about yourself and this extraordinary universe. Enjoy. All right, everyone, I have Rick here. Do I pronounce your last name Levine? So yep. Rick Levine is an astrologer. And um, so basically, I don't, you randomly popped up on my my Instagram feed and I was looking for some um, new people to interview for the podcast. And I was so drawn to your, your vibe. I know it's kind of weird, but my guides nudged me to nudge you and here we are. So um, can you just share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um... I uh, went to college to become a math teacher. And my first week of college, I changed to a psychology major. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you mix a little bit of math geometry with a little bit of uh, young psychology, late 60s, a little bit of sex, drugs, rock and roll, and out comes an astrologer. I love it. So I've been doing astrology, although I've had my finger in other pies along the years. I've been actually, I've been actively pursuing um, uh, an education and still am <laughs> um, as an astrologer in astrology for 50 years. Um, so it's been, it's been my life path, my life work. Um, and uh, in the, let's see, in the early well about 1999 um i with a with a partner began one of the first uh serious astrology websites uh and uh, we were publishing at our heyday we were publishing about 40 to 50 new articles a month written by competent astrologers and it was quite an operation it was like the dot com and then then it you know went away when the money went away um, and then after that, I co-authored uh, eight years of books, for mass market books for Barnes and Noble called, you know, the astrology is called the astrology guide your year ahead. And um, and, and I've been writing a daily horoscope column for she's now um, pushing 20, actually pushing just 20 years now. 
And um, and that for many years was uh, read by 10 to 20 million people a day. It was one of the most widely read, maybe the most widely read column on the Internet. And I've since scaled that back and I still write a daily astrology blog, but I'm not writing for each of the 12 signs. I'm spending most of my time these days. I see some clients, but I'm spending most of my time uh, teaching, doing educational videos and working to uh, help promote the professional side of astrology. I love that. So I, um, I guess would say I didn't believe in astrology, uh, even though I'm a medium and I talk to dead people, I didn't know that it could be so detailed. So I didn't believe in it until a friend gifted me a reading. And this man basically described my childhood in the de- incredible detail by just looking at my birth chart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, astrology is a magnificent crutch, you know, there, th- there are those people who are gifted and can get the information directly off the airwaves. No question about it at all. You know, th- those people do exist. Astrology for many people um, is a mechanical science, but most people that practice astrology these days understand that it is a gateway and it actually um, is a tool that really works as a metaphysical crutch. It allows one um, to speak with some certainty, um, although there is no certainty in the universe, <laughs> right. it allows one to speak with some certainty when um, when talking about energies. Ultimately, astrology is a language of energy interaction. There is no language that I know of that is 100% devoted to understanding the nature of interactional energy dynamics. Right. I think that a lot of people aren't aware of how incredibly descriptive and accurate it can be. I think the issue, though, is, is it's a language. And so if somebody wants to learn about it, where where do they begin? I think that's I get caught up. There's, I think, 12 houses and then I get very confused. I have ADD. And so then I just give up. So can you for those of us out there that uh, want to learn more about it, where do we start? Well, It's like, where do you start to become a um, nuclear physicist? You know, the, the illusion is that astrology is just something that one can learn overnight. And quite frankly, although I've been actively engaged in study of astrology for decades and still am, I'm learning more about it week by week now than I was when I began learning about it. That's how deep and wide the subject is there's really um, there's really no end to it. So when people think it's complicated, you know, it's it's as complicated as life. But on the other hand, there is a simplicity to it also. And ultimately, it is based upon um, on sacred geometry, on the mathematics of dividing things by one, two, three, four and and so on. Um, you divide a cycle or a circle by four, and you get the four elements, fire, earth, air, water, which comes from the Greek tradition. You divide things by three, and you get another division called modalities, which is like beginning, middle, and end, or in astrology, it's cardinal, fixed, mutable. Uh, you divide things by two, you get polarity, which is like positive and negative, or, or in and out, or male and female. And you divide things by 12 and you get the zodiac. So the astrology that we moderners practice 
is really a way of dividing a circle or a cycle into 12 parts, and each part has its own descriptive nature. Um, Aries is the first sign, so it's about beginnings. <laughs> Pisces okay. is the 12th sign, it's about endings. Libra is the, is the seventh sign, it's halfway through, so it's about the reflection of those beginnings or relationships. And, and it's impossible really to teach astrology in five or 10 or 20 minutes or even an hour. I just got done teaching a um, five-week course on the fundamentals of astrology through Astrology Hub. And you can find out about that by going to astrologyhub.com slash foundations. And then I did a level two course and now people want a level three course, you know, because there is no end to it. But the fact of the matter is that in, for example, my level one course, one can get a pretty good foundation of understanding um, what it is and how it works. And, and in its most simple form, astrology is based upon planets, signs, houses, and aspects. Those are the four pieces of the language. The planets are what we see in the sky. They're, they're, and yet we astrologers use the word planets like the Greeks would. Um, the word planeta is a Greek word meaning wanderer. And so anything that's up there in the sky that, that moves, that wanders, is called a planet. So we refer to the sun and the moon and Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, and a few other things. And, um, and we map those planets, but we map them into signs. Okay. Planets are the type of energy. Uh, Mars is physical energy. It's the warrior. Venus is loving energy. Mercury is communication energy. Each planet has its own story, its own archetype. There are literally books written on each of these different planets. One can pick a planet and probably find 20 books about it. So that's how deep and wide the mythology and archetypes are. But once you understand the planets as the active players, they're the actors on the stage of life, if you will, then every planet lives in a sign. And the signs are like the nations they come from. If someone comes from Switzerland versus someone who comes from Italy just a few miles away, you don't know anything individually about that person but you understand some generalities about how they might relate to time or love. <laughs> so uh -huh. If you've ever been to Switzerland versus Italy, you know what I mean. You know, um, And by the same token, if someone um, comes from the nation of Gemini versus the nation of Virgo, we don't know anything about them individually. But if you put 10 people in a room and three of them were from Paris, Three of them were from uh, Mexico City and three of them were from Tokyo. You could tell which ones were which. You wouldn't know anything about them individually. And by the same token, if you put, you know, five um, Leos in a room and five um, Capricorns in a room, in a matter of a moment, I could tell you which ones were which. But I couldn't tell you anything about them individually. Uh, I could tell you about their customs, their approaches to life. And when I say that someone is a Capricorn or a Pisces or a Gemini, what I'm referring to is the only one of the planets. And again, I use the word planets in the Greek sense where the sun and moon are included. But if I say someone is a particular sign, there's only one planet 
that returns to where it was on the same calendar day every year. And anyone who celebrates their birthday knows that that's their sun sign because all the planets go around the sun. And there, what, what's your birthday, for example? April 30th, just passed. Okay, well, happy birthday. I'm an early April birth. So, uh, <laughs> but that does tell us something very different about the two of us because when I was born, the sun from Earth's point of view was in Aries. And by the time you were born, because the uh, planetary, the sign divisions occur around the 19th, 20th, 21st of each month. And so you were born with the sun in Taurus. So even though we're both born in April, we come from different astrological nations. Aries is much more fiery and into starting things where Taurus is much more determined and plodding and 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 into the um, uh, the, the touch taste feel. I always think of Tauruses as the people who um, if you can't. Uh, if it's not real, they don't want anything to do with it. Even though, <laughs> so even though you may be a psychic medium, for you, that is very real. And I'm not saying that for you pejoratively, meaning that it's not real, that, that for some people that might sound like woo-woo, but for you, there's nothing, um, there's nothing out there about that that's about as real as you walking around your car and kicking the tires. It's just, well, that's the way it is, because a Taurus, is not interested in conjecture. It's interested in the way things are. But here's the thing. <clears throat> we can say you're a Taurus and I'm an Aries, but that's only our relationship from the earth to the sun. Meanwhile, the moon is going around the earth once a month. Got it. That's what a month is. Uh -huh. And meanwhile, Mercury is going around the sun every 88 days, creating what we call seasons. You see, our calendar all of our timekeeping is astrological. We just don't know that we're all astrologers. And then people say, well, can astrology really predict the future? And I say, well, do you have a calendar? Are you doing something next Tuesday at 4.30 p.m.? Well, you're predicting the future and you're using astrology to do it. You don't even know it because the spin of the earth once every 24 hours that makes a day and a night is an astro logical rhythm. And in fact, the seven days of the week are based upon the seven visible planets. There's Saturn day, Sunday, moon day. And then you need to go to the um, romantic languages, you know, to get Venus, uh, to get uh, Mars day, Tuesday, Woden's day, Wednesday, Thor's day, Jupiter's day, Thursday, and Friar's day, Freyr, um, the uh, Norwegian god, like goddess of, uh, love. So that would be, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that would be Venus Day. So the point is, we're all astrologers. We just don't know it. So we have the planets. They're the active players. Okay. We have the signs. Those are the nations or or the, the clothing that they wear. That's their customs. Um, Mars, which is physical energy. If Mars is in Gemini, that might be someone who's very fast and agile on their feet and physically kind of restless and always moving because Gemini is a sign that's always moving. Whereas someone with Mars and Taurus might be slower, more plodding, but always gets to where they're going. If you get in the car with someone who's a Mars and Taurus, there's no question you'll get to your destination. If you get in a car with someone with Mars and Gemini, you may get lost a few times along the way. It's just <laughs> how we relate to the outer world. Now, the mistake that people make 
is they think that the signs are constellations. There are constellations called Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo. They're all constellations. But we modern astrologers use a zodiac that's based upon our seasons and not the constellations. You'll Once every two or three years, you'll read about some astronomer, astronomer who comes out and says astrology is bullshit because astrologers don't even know their signs have changed. Well, they're referring to something very specific called the precession of the equinox. It's a technical thing. I don't want to dig on it. Okay. But astrologers discovered this 2,000 years ago, and astronomers use it as a way to say astrologers are making stuff up but they don't understand. It's it's really a bit of ignorance on the astronomer's part of a point of view because they don't understand the difference between the constellational zodiac and the tropical or seasonal zodiac. So we have planets and we have signs. Then we map those signs onto a map. Uh, uh, we call it a horoscope wheel. And we divide that wheel into 12 sectors, and those are the houses. And even though there are 12 houses, like there are 12 signs, and there is interrelational, interrelational meaning, the fact of the matter is that the houses are different than the signs. They're based upon the times of day. Um, every day the sun rises. That's the first house. Every day when the sun rises, that determines the first house. When the sun is at high noon, that is you have to go around like a clock. It's like 12 noon. So the sun is directly overhead. That turns out to be the 10th house. And the houses are separate from the signs. So we have planets living in signs and houses. And then we have the angles, the mathematics the sacred geometry that occurs between the planets, and those are the aspects. And here you, you, you hear words like opposition or square or trine or sextile or odd words like quincunx and, yeah. and quintile. And these are all defining the mathematical relationships between the planets. And these mathematical relationships are what create meaning, not only in astrology, but even in the thought. If you have two thoughts that are 90 degrees apart, that's a dynamic conflict. <laughs> that's what a conflict is. If you have two planets that are in the exact same pl place, they're going in the same direction and they're building on each other's energy. If you have two planets that are on two points of an equilateral triangle, like an even triangle with three even sides, those planets are kind of having a good time talking with each other. And so their energies are much smoother. And so we use the geometry of aspects to understand how all these different fragmented energies of each of the planets in each of the signs and each of the houses all talk to each other. So yes, it's complicated and yet exquisitely simple, both at the same time. I love it. So we have the sun sign, the moon sign, and the rising sign. What are the difference between, I know the sun sign is there, like what you had said, um, the this it's, it's the one on that right but is the moon sign more of like the emotional aspects of yeah. your life yeah and 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 j just to be clear most people refer to the sun sign moon sign and rising sign as the big three but in some charts your mercury sign is more important than anything else or your venus sign 
or your Mars sign or your Jupiter sign or your Uranus sign or Saturn sign or Neptune sign or Pluto. In other words, all the planets have signs. Now, the big three, the sun, moon and rising is a, is a good way to start. If you're just stepping into astrology, there are many sites that you can go to and put in your birth date, place and time. Your sun sign is almost always knowable unless you're born close to the edge between two signs. And the Latin word for edge is cusp. Mm -hmm. And so if you're born on the cusp, you may not know whether you're a um, Scorpio or Sagittarius because there's an edge between the two of them. But the edges between signs cut like razor blades. And so meaning that you fall on one side or the other. There's no wishy-washiness except our calendar is sloppy because you have 365 days in a year and 12 divides into 360 evenly. And so the, the so our calendar is uh, around the edges between the signs. There's always this one or two or three day variance. Um, and so but knowing your birth date and the time of day. And the latitude and longitude, which really means what city were you born in, city and country, a computer can calculate this in a matter of, of milliseconds and all the other planets. And knowing your sun sign, which most people know, and your moon sign, which you can't know unless you have a computer do the calculation, because the moon changes, the moon moves about one degree every two hours, which means that the moon goes through 30 degrees of the sign in about two and a quarter, two and a half days. Which means that that you can't know you you can be a Taurus with the moon in any one of 12 signs. You don't know until you do the calculation. And then you add the time of day that is corrected to latitude and longitude and daylight savings time. And that determines the relationship between the sun and the horizon. Were you born at day with the sun above the horizon or Mm -hmm. were you born at night with the sun below the horizon and creating that exact angle between the sun and the eastern horizon? The eastern horizon is where the sun rises every day. That determines your rising sign. So without knowing your time of day and your place of birth, you cannot know your rising sign. So your sun sign is who you are. The sun is like it's like the central filament in a light bulb. The sun lights us up. It's the fuel in our furnace. It's our consciousness. It's our will. The sun is like it's like the most important thing because if the sun goes out, it doesn't matter where the other planets are. So the sun, that's why sun sign astrology is so important. Well, it's also the only thing we can know for sure based upon our birth date, because the only thing that's consistent in our calendar is that every year on April 30th, from the earth's point of view, the sun is in the sign of Taurus. Everything else every year will change. So, The sun is who we are. I am an Aries. You are a bull. You are, you know, you are obstinate. You are sure footed. You you are the person that's going to get to where you're going. And if someone's in your way, they better get out of your way eventually because you'll get to where you're going. If you have to walk over them, around them or in a different direction and then come from the other side, 
then someone else is not going to stop you. That's that's one of the primary qualities of the bull. The other hand, a bull is also bullheaded, which can be annoying because <laughs> to get, trying to get a tourist to do something when they don't want to is impossible. And trying to get them to stop doing something when they're doing something they know is important is just as impossible. But the moon, when the sun is not out, You see, the sun implies directionality. I know where I'm going when the sun is out because I can see things and things cast shadows. I have directionality. At night, when there is no sun, there's no direction. And the moon is about our emotions, which are always changing, like the phases of the moon are always changing. The sun is constant, but the moon is our feelings. It's our emotions. It's how we respond to people. Um, it's it's um, it, it's our gut instincts. The moon is how we nurture others. It's it's the mothering uh, process. It's how we take care of each other. The moon is our home. It's our feeling. Um, it's our relationship to our mother and our relationship to those we love. So the moon is it, the sun is who we are, and the moon is how we feel in our gut. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The ascendant or rising sign. Same, same thing. You hear the word ascendant. Right. The sign is simply the sign that is rising. The ascendant is the actual degree point. That is the point. So you might have, what time of day were you born? Do you know? 5.07 a.m. So, so if you were born at 507 in, um, in, in, um, May, you were probably born just before sunrise. Then I'm doing this in my head. We can look this up in a few minutes if you'd like. But the point is that if you were born before sunrise, you then could either have Aries or Taurus rising because Aries rises before the sun and then Taurus would rise. So. So I put my, I did my, my birth chart and I yeah. don't see the rising sign, but I do. My moon sign is Sagittarius. But it, it, it'll it show the ascendant. Hmm, I don't see it. It says North Node, Pluto, Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, Mercury, Moon, Sun. All right. Give me your birth date. 4-30-1983. 4-30-1983. And the time of day you said was five what? Five oh seven. And what city were you born in? San Diego, California. You haven't gotten far from the tree. <laughs> no, I, I I did, and then I came. I went to Portland actually for college, and then I came back to San Diego because I could not handle that weather out there. Got it. 
Well, um, you undoubtedly, absolutely, for sure, no question about it, have Aries rising, which is what, I, you know, when, when, when I did it in my head, that I, I know that the sun had not yet risen. So it would, you would have either had Aries or Taurus rising. So what this tells me, and, and yes, the chart that I'm looking at um, it shows that you have um, the moon in Sagittarius. But interestingly enough, that although you're a Taurus, with Mars, we talked earlier about, I gave the example of Mars and Taurus about, you know, driving, you know, short-footed and getting to where, you know, where one is going, that when you were born, um, unquestionably, um, that um, that um, Mars in your chart is also in Taurus, but so is Mercury and so is Chiron. So you have what's called a celestial traffic jam. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> However, however, when someone meets you, they might not realize that you're a Taurus because what they meet is the part of you that, that it's like how you dawn on others. It's like your rise. It's like where the sun rises off of you. And so someone who just meets you might think that you're an Aries. They might think that you're fierier, more fiery. What's that word? Fiery. <laughs> They might think that you're more energetic, that you're more initiating. They might think that you're more outgoing, that you're braver, that you're more courageous, that you wear red. And then not until that they get to know you, they realize that, you know, that you'd rather someone else go out and fight the wars and you'll stay home and watch TV or have a sandwich or, you know, <laughs> or just buy nice things that feel good, and, you know, good food, good wine, a little money in the bank, you know, whatever. Those are Taurus things. Aries don't give a crap about that. Aries wants to be on the edge of reality where, where they're making it up as they go. So your rising sign is, is, is how you come off to others. Your, your Mars is close to the surface, so to speak. And so, um, and so you are what I would call, you know, a, a, a feisty bull. You know, you're 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 the bull that is not interested like Ferdinand to just hang out in the field and eat the flowers. Not that that's not OK on a good day, but there's a part of your chart with all that Sagittarius energy. You actually have more planets in Sagittarius than in Taurus. And so there's two parts of you that I don't want to say they don't get along, but they're working on different scripts. Mm -hmm. There's one there's a part of you that's working on the script that's based upon comfort, sensibleness, sensuality. And by sensuality, I don't mean sexuality. I mean, it feels good. It tastes good. It smells good. Good sheets, good linens, nice towels, a nice bottle of water, whatever. It, it's, it's feeding the senses. You know, the Taurus part of you says that if my senses are taking in good stuff, what could go wrong? Totally. Now, now, the other side of you saying what could go wrong is that you're making me crazy. I want an adventure. I want something to happen. <laughs> and that's the Sagittarius side of you that wants to go to Portland, even if the weather didn't turn out what you wanted it to be. You want you want your life to be an adventure. You don't want to spend your entire life, you know, driven by where am I going to get my next good sandwich? <laughs> Which Completely. Is which yeah. is a tallest thing. But the Sagittarius is like, no, put me in a situation where, where I'm feeling the adrenaline, where I'm feeling the excitement, where, where there's a sense of adventure, where I'm actually using my beliefs and my philosophy to drive myself into someplace new. And this whole idea of the, of the information and the attraction, ah, Venus in your chart, 
um, is in Gemini. And so part of your chart, being a Taurus, every sign relates to every, every sign relates to a planet, every planet relates to a sign. So Venus is the planet of Taurus. You're a Taurus with a whole bunch of planets in Taurus. I want to know where's your Venus because Venus is doing the lifting. And it turns out that Venus is in Gemini. And again, you're not interested in just that one direction of getting to one place. You want to have lots of interest. That Venus in, in Gemini is, is never quite satisfied with your Taurus wanting safety and security. That Venus in Gemini says, what about that? Oh, that's cool. I never knew about it's the curious part of you that sets you off on your adventure. Now, I didn't necessarily mean to do your chart. I'm just trying to show you how we're fragmented out. And everything that I've said so far is based upon your son. You are a a, a, a bull, a bovine. You know, in the Western world, um, we have this thing where um, where to, to call a woman a cow is like a horrifically, uh, it's bad taste. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, oh, you silly cow. You know, it's a British saying. But the fact of the matter is there are cultures where to be called a cow is to be elevated into goddesshood. You know, whether it's the ancient Hindus, whether it's the Egyptians who worship Baal and 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 they worship Venus through its through the through the cow, the the sacred cow, the whole holy cow. You know, I mean, it's, that's, <laughs> yeah. And so we moderners forget about that side. Um, I mean, even the word yoga comes from the word yoke of an oxen. An oxen is a bovine. It's a cow. And so and so the the idea of yoga, whether you're doing a mental yoga or actually sitting in postures, is how do you harness the power of that steady, sure footed, determined bovine bullheaded energy. And so you are a cow, you are a bull. And yet you seem like a warrior Aries out fighting the good battle to people who don't know you. That's how you come off. You might come off a little bit more assertive and aggressive than you really are. And when people get to know you, they go, ah, oh, you're not, you're not kind of, I thought you were a little bit more, you know, fussier and fightier than you seem to, you know, but then you have this whole part of you that is how you have this undying uh, drive to learn, to, to explore the outer edges of the cosmos. Um, you know, even your work yes. as a psychic medium, I mean, in a, in a way, what you're doing is trying to understand the nature of the cosmos by going out further and further and further and further. And of course, that Sagittarius part of you fully understands that um, consciousness does not need a body to be conscious. Completely. Yeah. It's crazy how accurate that is. And I feel like me knowing that, um, just clarifies my personality, how you said, like, oh, yeah. um, there's parts of me that are at war with myself. Yeah. They don't all, they all three don't get along. So, I mean, not all the time anyway. No, but they all, all the inhabit the same, they all inhabit the same meat. Yes. Yeah. No. But it just helps me though. Um, like kind of understand myself, uh, with more and clarity. That's the value, and that's the value of, of, of astrology. I mean, the fact of the matter is that, um, that you will never resolve these two parts of you because they are two parts of you. 
And yet that doesn't mean you can't be happy with them and you can't let them get along. But it's those two parts don't see each other. They're working off of different scripts. They're on different pages with different sets of instructions. And it's your job in life to figure out how to make a happy life with this irritating fact that when you're on an adventure, you wish you were home and safe and secure. And when you're safe and secure and everything is copacetic and you're in a relationship that's taking care of everything, you're itching for you know a passport to go someplace strange, whether it's physical or metaphysical, doesn't matter. You just need, you know, you need to do that. And then there's one other thing in your chart that's quite important. And that is in 1982, late 82 into early 83, Saturn and Pluto were lined up just like the at every new moon, every uh, once a moon, the, uh-huh. the moon lines up with the sun. Well, once every um, 33 to 38 years, Saturn, which takes about 30 years to go around once, Saturn catches up to Pluto. It's what happened last year on January 12th that set 2020 into crazy land. Saturn lined up with Pluto. When Saturn lines up with Pluto in the real world, um, every every you know 35 years or so, we go through these struggles of redefining boundaries. Whether it was the beginning of World War I, um, whether it was um, in 1947, within a few days of India and Pakistan being given independence from the British Empire and other things, that was a Saturn-Pluto alignment. In 1982-83, there was um, uh, the war in Lebanon. Israel invaded Lebanon, and there was the Falkland Island War, which was not a big war on our map, but it was between England and Argentina. Um, and And so you were born at this time when Saturn and Pluto were aligned, which kind of gives you this deep, I want to call it controlled fission. It's like a nuclear power that is deeper than what drives on the surface. And it's, it, it basically tells me that I would much rather have you as a friend than as an enemy. It may <laughs> take a bit to get pushed. But once someone falls into that, they've screwed with you one too many times. It's like the nuclear weaponry comes out. It's like you can be pushed to that place. But you always carry that, that much deeper, intense, slow burn that ties you to to other worlds, other times, other places, that is that is just inarguable. It's just a, a, a serious part of you. Yeah, that's so true. And it's funny because I had a reading at the beginning of this year. Um, it was Vedic astrology. Um, but she had brought that up and she had kept saying uh, how rare my chart was to the point where it was like creeping her out. And then it creeped me out. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why are you making me feel this way? <laughs> But she said I had a bunch of stelliums. Yeah. Yeah. And and, um, just for the record, um, I think that when an astrologer looks at a chart and says it's creeping them out, that astrologer needs to get some counseling. Yeah. No, I I mean, it's see when, when someone hears the astrologer talking, they don't hear the astrologer talking. They hear the cosmos speaking. And I mean, one of the things that I spend a lot of my waking hours doing is teaching astrologers how to be astrologers. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's a significant part of my professional life. And when I hear an astrologer doing that, I don't care whether they're practicing 
Western, modern, tropical, what we call um, uh, tropical astrology or Vedic, which is sidereal. It's based on the stars. Um, incidentally, um, because of the wobble of the earth, Vedic astrology, which uses a star-based system versus modern Western astrology, which uses a seasonal-based system. And the two systems actually continue to separate from one another because of the wobble of the earth. It's, I don't want to explain the technical part of it. But uh, what that means is that although you're a Taurus in modern Western astrology, in the what's called Jyotish or Vedic or Hindu Indian astrology, you would be an Aries mm. because that because the signs are are different. However, the relationship between the planets themselves stay the same. And here's the punchline. The astrological word stellium means three or more planets in the same sign. And you have four planets in Taurus, and you have four planets in uh, Sagittarius. So yes, your chart is unusual that you have these two strong areas of focus that are kind of, um, that can't see each other, <laughs> that, are, uh -huh. that are on these different pages. It, it, if, if that creeps an astrologer out, they need to get counseling. Yeah, it's kind of like being a medium. I would never put my spin on whatever's coming through from spirit. But it made me, um, I guess, more intrigued and curious as to why she had felt that way. Like I, what I took from it, it was made like, it's just rare and it's different. And my gift is just different. So maybe that's what she was talking about. Yeah, well, Vedic astrology, which I actually, I mean, I, I've taught in India. I've lectured at, at colleges of Vedic astrology in India. Um, <clears throat> Vedic astrology is very useful and valuable, but every astrology becomes a, um, an expression of its culture and Vedic astrology is way more judgmental and mechanical than modern, what we would call psychological, spiritual astrology. If someone said, what do you do as an astrologer? What kind of astrology do you practice? I would say I'm a modern Western, meaning the Western world, not the you know Hindu Indian world. I'm a modern Western tropical astrologer. Tropical meaning I use the zodiac based on the seasons, and I practice this astrology from a psychological and spiritual perspective. I love that. Now that's very different than the um, the, the the Vedic astrologer who's practicing classical um jyotish or vedic astrology vedic meaning coming from the vedas which is the hindu version of their oral tradition that in the west became our bible the vedas are kind of like a collection of this oral tradition and so vedic astrology just signifies that it is part of the hindu tradition um th that astrology is much more judgmental it's much more fate oriented there is um much less room for um, for psycho-spiritual development and more emphasis on, on past karma, that your chart that you have now is a result of what you've done or didn't do in yeah. the past. Whereas a modern astrologer, I would say that is karma, but karma is also what you do today will determine what happens tomorrow. Completely. 
And so there's a, a, a strong difference in the orientation of practice. Um, but your chart is, it's unusual, but I wouldn't look at your chart and go, oh my God, this is, this is the strangest, creepiest, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, no, I looked at your chart and I immediately thought, cool. You know, I know, I know you, you want, you want to have good towels and a warm place to sleep and be on a kayak up in the Alaskan, you know, islands. So <laughs> all, true. All so at the true. same time. Yes. All at the same time. It's so funny too, how you said like, when I'm on vacation, I'm just thinking of home. And when I'm at home, I'm thinking of vacation. That's exactly me to the T. It's creepy that you, that's, it's crazy how detailed you could be. All right. Let's change the word to creepy and say that it is cosmic. And as you may know, the word cosmic comes from a Greek word that actually means beautiful order. I love that. It's cosmic. It's cosmic. I mean, that's cosmos. It's the derivation of the modern word cosmetic. You see, because to the Greeks, order was beautiful. And so the cosmos had order and it was aesthetically perfect. Us moderners are trained to fear nature we might say even to fear the feminine energy because it's mother nature, but we don't have to go down that uh, um, that uh, gender rabbit hole, although I'm not afraid to go down that hole. <laughs> but the point is that we have this value judgment that mother nature needs to be controlled by father, by by humans, that right. we need that we need to take the ugliness and 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 untamed part of nature and make it okay. And so we have the word cosmetic, which in the Greek concept would have meant to bring out the natural order and beauty. But in the West, cosmetic means to hide the ugly. Same yeah. word, same word. But it's the, the word cosmetic means of the cosmos. It means order and beauty. I love that. Um, I do want to talk about Saturn because I feel like, of course you do. Yeah. Saturn's known as the asshole that just comes through and changes everything and forces change on you. And it's very unexpected. And that's probably, whoa, whoa, um, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, some, of, some of what you're saying is very true, but, but there's nothing unexpected about Saturn. Saturn we can expect is, him to come from looking at Saturn the is the most reliable clockwork karmic cause and effect planet in the zodiac there are i mean the, the planet uranus is unexpected and in your chart uranus is lined up with jupiter which is the part of your life that when unexpected stuff happens it's usually awesome it opens you up you learn it, it's like this is cool some people do not have that relationship with the unexpected now saturn is actually etymologically satan and we moderners have been taught to fear Satan. We've been taught that we've been taught that Saturn is the asshole of the planets. However, I must say that with the discovery of Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, Pluto in particular, Pluto has basically said, Saturn, you're just a mosquito, you're a wimp. You want to talk about assholes? I, I, I'm the lord of the underworld. You know, you're just the gateway. You're just the door that opens people up into my world. Now you see what's fascinating here is that to the ancients, Saturn was the most serious, the, the, the slowest moving of all the planets. That when, when things that moved, Saturn was the one that was the ruler of all of them because nothing moved slower than Saturn. When you went past Saturn, you went out to the fixed stars, nothing moved at all. 
And so we used to believe that Saturn was the end. Saturn is the grim reaper. Saturn mm-hmm. is father time. The, uh, the word Saturn is Latin for chronos, which is Greek. Chronos is time. You know, a watch is a chronometer. Chronos, you know, if you have a disease that, that, you've, that you've had for a long time, it's chronic. Chronos is, is Saturn. And so it turns out that the Greeks believed that when the soul incarnated to Earth, that it would come through the gates. This is a, it's, it's beyond an astrological teaching. This is an esoteric teaching that goes back through, you know, through the Egyptians and the Greeks. But there's this idea that when a soul incarnates to earth, it comes through the gates of Saturn. And then it gains physical form. And then it comes, becomes refined as it comes through Saturn to Jupiter, to Mars, to Venus, Mercury, Sun, Moon, and then boom, here we are on Earth. And going the other way at death, you go through the same route out, but it's not until you go through the gates of Saturn that 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 death occurs. Now, again, we moderners, uh, and I say we moderners here, I mean you and me, um, because there are people who live contemporary contemporaneously with us who I would not call moderners, who still believe that Saturn is the end. When you die, that's it. The fact is that we know that Saturn is just the gateway. Mm -hmm. And you see, here's where it gets interesting, because Lucifer was a fallen angel. And and an angel is simply a disincarnate consciousness. It's it's consciousness without physical form. Mm -hmm. And so when Lucifer falls through the gates of Satan, Saturn, he became a fallen angel. (laughs) We here on Earth are all within the realms of Saturn because we live in this three-dimensional world of cause and effect. However, the Vedic teachings tell us that this whole apparent world is Maya. It's really just a curtain that hides what the true nature of real real is. Mm -hmm. And so Saturn... It used to be that Saturn was the real world, but now we understand that Saturn is the illusion that the real world is real. Got it. And so so Saturn can be scary because Saturn or Satan um, is not you see, Satan. Saturn didn't get to be a bad character until the Judeo-Christian came along and basically made it the polar opposite of good. Mm-hmm. You know, you go into the into the Eastern tradition and you look at their gods of destruction or goddesses, Kali, for example. It's you know, you have to have you have to have a tree decaying. In order for it to turn into rich soil for something to grow, there's nothing bad about death. It's just in fact, I gave a lecture. I've, I've given this lecture several times. Um, um, I, I, it's. Um, uh, the idea it is, um, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, the title of the lecture is called Consciousness Con Carne. Okay. <laughs> Got it? Consciousness co- with meat? Yeah, consciousness with meat. That's uh-huh. what we are. Yeah, we're, we, we are consciousness concarnate. <laughs> oh, because our meat and then the consciousness is inside of the meat. That's right. Got That's it. right. But most people think that, that our meat created consciousness when it's exactly the other way around. Correct. I mean, I know you know this by what yeah. I know you do. You know, but but so the title of the lecture, Consciousness Con Carne, is just my clever way of getting people to realize that what people call reincarnation is not an isolated thing. There's the process of of incarnation, deincarnation, mm-hmm. or or discarnation, which was what we call death, and then reincarnation. And and although we would like to think as humans, this process is linear because we humans have this illusion that time has a beginning, a middle and an end, just like our apparent life on Earth does. The fact is that up there, out there in the disincarnate world, there is no time. Everything that ever existed and everything that ever will exist exists. We just pick up on flashes of it. And so this whole idea of past life. Um, is really a tricky issue because past lives are not in the past. Yeah, they're on. They're concurrent. They're concurrent. Yeah. As is everything. Now that doesn't mean that there is not an illusion of a past. There was a 1776. That was a year. But when I think about 1776, or if spirit comes through me, or 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 comes through my body with that connection of that memory. It's not about the past. It's about the present. Right. Anyhow, um, I don't remember how we got on this. Oh, Saturn. Saturn. <laughs> so, Saturn is the, so Saturn is the cosmic badass only because in the material world, Saturn is karma. Saturn is you get what you deserve. Got you know, it. Saturn, 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 is, um, it, Saturn is a 28 to 30 year cycle. And in astrology, the action, the sacred geometry action occurs at one half and one quarter of a circle. So if you look at a clock, you know, it's a quarter after the an old clock. <laughs> you know, it, it's um, uh, 115, 130, 145, two o'clock. It's those 90 degree angles where the action occurs. So if you take a 28 or 29 year cycle and you divide it by four, you get seven or seven and a half. And the idea of breaking a mirror and having seven years of bad luck is a Saturn concept. And that is, if you do something that's karmically bad, it can take seven years to clear it through the system. 
Right. Because it's that 90 degree angle. It's the seven year itch in marriage where you reach that seven year point and something happens that kind of brings up all the stuff from seven years ago. And you can look in, in your life, for example, in your life with all those planets in Taurus, I would imagine that 2000, 2001, when Saturn was moving through Taurus, was probably a pretty difficult or tough time and a you know time of, of, of a lot of responsibility and a time of kind of taking on new um, new challenges or having to leave something behind that you didn't want to. You were what, uh, 17 years old, something like that? 18, yeah, I just graduated. And it's funny because I was just thinking about this yesterday. Yeah, it was, um, nobody had talked to me about like graduating high school and how everything was going to change. And so it just felt like the rug got pulled out from underneath me. People started moving away and then I was so lost. So, yep, exactly. Well, well now we have the planet Uranus moving through that same area of sky as your sun and all your Taurus planets. And Saturn moving through Aquarius is 90 degrees. There's that 90 degree angle. And so this would lead me to believe that in your life now, and when I say now, I mean the last months and the next months through this year, this is a time of, of powerful change for you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I don't know what's, I, I, this is the first we've ever met, but I would assume that there are unexpected things that have either happened or are happening that are changing the, the direction of your path and, and, and forcing you to make some decisions that you may not quite be there yet, but this is kind of what's, what's, what's pressing on you. And in some ways, it might, in fact, go back to what was happening in that 2001 period, or in fact, we could go back in almost seven-year increments and then look at somewhere around 2010 when Saturn. I mean, again, I'm doing this off the top of my head, give or take, you know, a year, but that would have been, in some ways, the original pressure of the decisions that you made, maybe about going to college or whatever, and then again. Um, um, in roughly 2016 or somewhere in there compared to now. I mean, so we look That's at the- That's crazy. Uh, yes. my I just have to say, just for everyone listening, my daughter was born in 2010 and that was very unexpected. And it changed me for the better, but it was obviously hard. And then it's, uh, 2017 is when I got married. And it it's funny because the background of all of this is um, family, not my family my current family, not my kids and my husband, it's mom, dad, brother, sister, and um, boundaries and how they've affected me and, and whatnot. I don't want to fully get into it, but it's crazy that you bring that up because I am going through it right now again. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you, and you're not done. Uh, Great. <laughs> and, 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 and there's nothing creepy about this because this year for you is a dance between what you hold on to from the past versus what you expel because it's in your way. Um, now, that's one side of it. The other side of it is the fear of change sometimes has us hold on to the things from the past. And in this year, some of those things you might find are out of your control and disappear anyhow. In other words, the dance is a dance between Saturn, the planet of 
karma. You get what you deserve, holding on to things, making things real, responsibility, maturity, um, all those things which have to do with hard work and its conflict with Uranus, the planet of radical change, rebellion, um, the planet of new, the planet of different, the planet of freedom, and sometimes the planets of Saturn and Uranus are, are working again on very different scripts because Saturn wants to maintain the status quo and Uranus wants to blow it up. <laughs> so what's the, the guidance is to not hold on, just, just let it be? No, the guidance is to, um, is to mediate between these two energies because if you blow up everything, that's, not, that's just as bad as holding on to everything. Got it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just being aware that you are in this state of heightened conflict or stress mm-hmm. between the dance between the old and the new. What do you do about it? You breathe. <laughs> you move through it in the way you'd move through it. Uh, the illusion is that stro- astrology tells us what to do. That's just bullshit. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. anyone, anyone who goes to any reader for, uh, for the tell me what to do, uh, I would say, don't don't go to that reader again. Um, it's not the reader's job or the psychic's job or the astrologer's job to make decisions for others. It's their job to basically help them paint a picture of the energies or of the guidance that's coming through. But it's not, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, in doing this kind of work, there is no place for ego. It's not about me. Try, uh, I mean, uh, one astrologer in your situation might say, well, I don't want to lose my family, my my security, my husband, my home, my my city of origin, my job. I mean, make your list, whatever it is. I'm going to do whatever I need to hold on to all those things. And someone else might say, you know, I'm bored of all these things. It's time to change them all up. You know, where's where's the uh, you know, where's the dynamite and where can I lean on it? And I just want to get rid of everything. Now, I'm not saying either one of those uh, routes are the correct route, because often what happens is that we learn instead of going off in search for something new, the 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 um, unpredictable, radical, explosive side of Uranus often is the question becomes, how do I animate or put new life into the structures that have become a bit boring? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about external stuff. It's about how I move in as again, I'm sure, you know, it's about how I move in the metaphysical world. How do I frame this? You know, how do I reanimate or reinvigorate um, my life to make it feel new? It doesn't mean I have to go to, you know, to South America, you know, for three years or to India and sit in a cave. Totally. I love how you said breathe through it because that resonates more than anything where you're just observing as things happen. And if you need to make a decision, you make a decision. But for the most part, I feel like the players in our life uh, do a lot of the work for us. Well, that's how my my situation has been. Right. But 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 the advantage again here of using astrology, is, it's like if you got in your car to, um, let's say, to drive to um, um, uh, to New Orleans. Um, and let's say you didn't, you wanted to avoid interstates. You got in your car, you would never find your way to New Orleans unless you had a map. Mm -hmm. Or you might eventually, by stopping at every 
you know, gas station or a little town and asking for directions, you know, how do I get to, I don't know where New Orleans is, but I know Texas is that way. Okay, I'll go that way for a bit. You know, in other words, but a map wouldn't tell you where you are going. A map would give you the lay of the land. So when you got to the various intersections, you could then make choices, your choices. Astrology is just a map of time. That's all it is, instead of a map of space. So instead of, uh, in, instead of knowing where you're going, astrology knows when you're going. <laughs> right. And, and that's so, helpful, too, because you can prepare yourself mentally, exactly. physically. And, and so even just knowing that 2020 into 2021 for you, that this whole year and a half period of 2020 in through 2021 is a time of dynamic change where you will be in a way trying to find a way through the conflict between um, the conservative and the progressive. And I don't mean that politically, although there might be implications there also, but between the status quo and the new, that even just knowing that this isn't just another year, you'll look back at this year as a year where you had to make decisions that became more important down the road. I completely agree. And honestly, what's so helpful is how you brought up 2001, 2010. It's like the same feeling is there from like basically when shit hit the fan. So it's like, oh, this is so familiar. Like I don't feel so lost. Edna St. Vincent Millay, American poet, wrote, life is not one thing after another. It's the same damn thing over and over again. Isn't that the truth? And that astrology, now we come back to the original discussion of astrology is basically the study of cycles. And it's about corresponding those cycles to the movements of a variety of planets, including Saturn, which in some ways is the most reliable because Saturn is a 28 to 30 year. It's actually 29 and a half years. Um, And so Saturn is uh, a planet that moves slowly enough that it's serious And yet it moves fast enough that we get to experience two or three Saturn cycles in our lifetime. And so when Saturn returns to where it was when we were born, like the sun does every year on our birthday, our birthday is simply a sun return. Mm -hmm. The Saturn, excuse me, the Saturn return occurs roughly at age 29 to 30. And that's a time in our life where we have to grow up. That's when shit gets hard. <laughs> well, it's, it's like climbing to the top of the mountain. Once you're at the top of the mountain, it's easy because you pick your way down. Mm-hmm. But those last few hundred yards getting to the top of the mountain, you know, that 28, 28 and a half, 29, 29 and a quarter, 29 and a half, 29. Those years can be really tough. Because we don't realize that that we have a high level of free will operating in our lives at that point in time. But intuitively, we know that the decisions that we're making are going to impact us for a long time. So we feel the pressure of having to make decisions, but we don't really know why or what those decisions are. And yet, once we make those decisions and get through the Saturn return, we're now 30, 31, all of a sudden... It's not that everything is easy, but we've picked our path. We don't have to be concerned about what what general direction you're going in because you're going that way. You can change your mind, but you're not going to be able to climb back up to the top of the mountain and go down the other way. Right. That's such a good analogy. So that's why Saturn is so significant because Saturn becomes the planet that is absolutely 
reliable in in um, helping helping us understand the um, the mechanics of our life in general. Got it. So um, the next thing and last thing I want to discuss, well, two things. I wanted to touch on Mercury and going into retrograde. I feel like that's the most common um, astrological event that people are aware of. And a lot of people see it as bad. And yeah, I feel like sometimes I've experienced a bad Mercury retrograde, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Mercury going into retrograde is a time of reflection. Yeah, it's... it's actually a lot simpler than that. We, we get a lot of things in modern astrology that are handed down to us from a very long tradition that is not only to the Vedic, to the Vedas on the Indian side, but in the Western side goes back to um, the origins of the uh, modern astrology in the Egyptian Northern Africa, and then in the Greek uh, Roman period of time. And then through the Arab um, um, kind of in the early, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundreds. And, uh, and life was very different then. There was no such thing as personal growth. Mm-hmm. There was no such thing. You know, you were born into life and you did what you had to do and you died. Right. Um, and therefore, there was, no su- there was no such thing as individual charts. People didn't get their charts done. The only people who got their charts done were emperors and kings and queens and popes because their charts reflected um, a, a larger mass because your individual chart didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't, you know, whatever personal drama you were going through, you were basically raised in this. And then you were, if you were a woman, you were sold off, you know, in, in, with a dowry and someone else had to take the burden of you and, and, and then raise your kids. If you were a man, you basically took whatever your father's role was and stepped into that maybe were drafted into the military for a few years, but then you came back to your village. There was no, I think I'm going to move to Portland and go to college. I mean, that, that wasn't. And so, and, and so the retrograde thing, like other things in astrology often come with good, bad labels. There is nothing inherently bad about any retrograde. Now, Mercury retrograde is the most known and talked about, but all the real planets, when I say real, I mean, not including the sun and the moon, but Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto all go retrograde. Mm-hmm. It's just that what retrograde is. OK, so imagine you're in a train and uh, Amtrak and you're going down this um, uh, this wide open valley and you see off in the distance mountains and you see against those mountains another train track with a train on it, but it's a freight train and it's going slower than you. And you're looking out of your Amtrak window and you can see the train against the mountains is going less fast than you because you can see it against the mountains. The mountains are a frame of reference. You can see that train's moving forward, but not very fast. Mm-hmm. Now imagine these two tracks come closer and closer and closer together until they're side by side kind of like being in a subway in a big city. And now all of a sudden there, you look out the window and there's a train right next to you and it looks for a moment like it's going backwards. And then you realize you're just passing it. It's not going as fast as you. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm talking about? Completely, yeah. Okay. We can have it sometimes sitting at a traffic light when someone else is driving and 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 they take their foot off the gas or off the brake very gently and we begin moving forward. And for a second, it looks like the car next to us is going backwards. It's like, you know, that's what retrograde is. It's a loss of perspective. Got it. Every planet goes retrograde when it gets as close to the Earth as it can get in its regular cycle. So Mercury, which is close to the sun, basically three times a year, it catches up to Earth, which means that it comes between the Earth and the sun, which means it gets closer to Earth. And it looks like it goes backwards. Planets don't really go backwards. It's what we call apparent motion. So when planets are moving apparently retrograde, they are closer to Earth than they are at other times in their cycle. Planets are like radio stations. You know, if you have a radio, if you have a 70,000 watt radio station next door to you, it doesn't matter what station you're tuning your radio to. It's going to come in on every damn channel. Mm -hmm. But if a radio station is far away and you know it's there, you might have to tune really carefully for it. Mm -hmm. So imagine the radio station of Mercury. Your intellect, your mind, how you communicate. Mercury has to do with the interchange of back and forth. Imagine Mercury all of a sudden going from normal to, to being turned up so loud that the feedback is so loud that nothing else is coming through. It's like driving on a freeway and all of a sudden you're in 11 lanes of traffic in L.A. at rush hour. Got it. Or it's like driving over a bridge that's meant to handle you know, two lanes of traffic, and all of a sudden there's six or seven lanes stuffed into that same area, and there's so much weight on the bridge, the bridge collapses. Right. It's like wires heat up and fray. And so I'm not saying there are no difficulties associated with Mercury retrograde, but the difficulties that we associate with Mercury retrograde are because our communication channels are falling apart. They're because we're not paying attention. We're, they, you know, one of the things you hear is don't sign a contract when Mercury is retrograde. Yes. Mercury is retrograde almost a third of the year. I mean, well, it's about it, it's about three weeks at a time, three times a year. So it's about two and a half, uh, about two months a year. Um, seven, three times three. Yeah, it's about nine, about nine, ten weeks a year. Mercury is retrograde. Don't travel. Don't sign a contract. Don't agree to anything. That's such bullshit. But what happens is that when Mercury is retrograde, we feel a, a heightened sense of urgency because it's like back to that freeway in rush hour uh, in L.A. Uh, we realize, oh, my God, we're going to miss our interview. And oh, my God, look, my track, my, my, my gas tank is on nearly empty. I thought I had plenty of gas to get there, but I've been sitting in traffic now for an hour. I better get off the freeway and get gas. And so you get over six lanes and finally get off the freeway, but it's LA, you're on some other freeway and who knows where you're going now. And you do this three or four times until you're totally screwed up and you miss your appointment, you miss your job and you run out of gas. Mm -hmm. It's because you panicked. Right. It's because you weren't prepared. Mercury retrograde in itself can be reflective, but more than anything, it increases the flow of energy. It it increases the flow of intellectual thinking. You know, you, you know how they cure an ADD. Well, you, you mentioned that you were ADD. Mm -hmm. So in modern times, the pharmaceutical cure 
is basically to give someone who is suffering from some sort sort of ADD, ADHD, whatever you want to label it, um, they give them a drug that is an amphetamine-based substance, like Ritalin, for example. I mean, right. I know they're Adderall, whatever. But these drugs are like amphetamines. And what do they do? They take someone who is hyperactive or hypersensor, sensor, hypersensorial, and they take give them a drug that makes them even more active or more sensorial to the point that it shuts down. That's what happens with a retrograde planet is imagine again being a child um, to a um, farmer um, 500 years ago. And you have this Mercury retrograde in your chart that's that you want to learn to read and write and you're and, and you're jealous of um, or envious of um, your older brother who's going into the priesthood because he's going to get to study and to learn things. And meanwhile, you just have to prepare to have kids and it pisses you off. <laughs> yeah. and, and so and, and so often what happens with a retrograde planet is we're forced culturally to shut down energy. And when we shut down energy and it doesn't express, that energy then appears in projected form. It appears outside of us like it's not us. And therefore that becomes problematic. I mean, this is the origin of the Freudian Jungian concept of projection, that which we do not express, that which we suppress or repress um, actually gets us. And so retrograde planets can create difficulties. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they're not difficult. And especially in modern times, if you have retrograde planets, you're you know, your um, Jupiter, Uranus, and Neptune are all retrograde. In fact, and your Saturn and your Pluto, all your planets are, outer planets are retrograde. They're not, they're only difficult if you can't figure out a way to plug into those larger, depersonal, apersonal, those larger energies beyond yourself. Sounds like you do that. It doesn't mean it's without problems, but but all those retrograde planets are indicative of those energies being louder. And it's how do you use them? Otherwise, they shut down. I so like Mercury, that, though, because it is being louder because when Mercury goes into retrograde, retrograde I feel like what you had said, um, whatever we repress and whatnot, but we're meant to deal with what's repressed. And so if exactly, you're exactly. pushing shit I mean, down. The, the classic thing is, the guy um, who Mercury turns retrograde, um, he realizes that his car is getting old and decides he's going to buy a new car. So he's going to go out and look for a new car. Mm-hmm. And the first day he's out looking, he goes to a car lot and he sees this nearly u- nearly new but slightly used purple Porsche that the guy thinks the lot owner thinks is an, such an unusual car that he's willing to give this guy just this most amazing deal ever. And the guy goes, that's incredible. I would pay twice as much for this. I'll just take it. And the guy buys this purple Porsche. And on the way home, he realizes, what the fuck am I going to do with my wife and dog and kids? You know? 
that's a Mercury retrograde decision. It's the wisdom of Mercury retrograde is not don't sign a contract. It's read the damn contract. Have your attorney look at the contract. Don't rush into it and just think that it's so urgent that you need to do something without ever even processing or thinking about it. Think things through. That's what it means. The reflective. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And my last question for you is um, what can we expect this year astrologically? Uh, Have you looked that far ahead? Oh, yeah. Is this year? Well, is there any? It's my job. (laughs) <laughs> is there any way to predict when like the COVID stuff isn't going to be as, as crazy when things are going to um, become more peaceful? Um, I would say that whether it's COVID related or whether it's look, um, this is a very deep and wide rabbit hole and I'm going to be careful about what I'm going to say, but COVID is not the pandemic. The pandemic is fear. COVID is the primary symptom. I agree with you. And and it's just like when you go to a a modern doctor, a Western trained doctor, they don't give a crap of what the cause of the disease is. They treat and eliminate the symptom. Correct. And the problem is that we as a culture, um, and it's beyond just the United States, but the United States is maybe you know, has the lead point in this. We are not interested in dealing with solutions to problems. We're interested in symptom removal, which is why there's so much energy about making the symptom of COVID going away rather than dealing with the pandemic of fear. And the pandemic of fear of the larger culture, um, interestingly enough, is a macrocosmic reflection of the same thing that you're going through this year because it involves the same two planets. Mm -hmm. It involves Saturn, the status quo, the make America great again, go back to the past, hold on to the status quo, what Freud would have called infantile regression under pressure. We want to go back to you know, when we were a baby and we're sucking at the breast and everything was perfect, whether it was perfect or not, we the image we have was that the past is better than the future. That's all Saturn stuff. It's all compression, contraction, get sealed, get serious, get real, pull in, hold on to what we have. In the sky, 90 degrees to that is the planet Uranus, the radical, revolutionary, progressive, move into the future, um, get microchipped, um, you know, artificial reality. Um, things will never be the same as they were. You can't go back into the past. Everything's changed. Get over it and 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 just get on with it. Now, like what I said to you, neither of those two planets works alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and the real dilemma that we are facing. And, and you know the word dilemma, you know, uh, you know what a dilemma is? An issue? It's, uh, two, it's two lemmas. Two lemmas, I've never heard of that. <laughs> well, die, die like die is two. Like, you know, uh, you know, it's the same origin of duet or dipolar. So a dilemma are, is two lemmas. Okay. And of course, most people don't have a clue as to what a lemma is, but I do. A lemma is a step in a Greek proof. 
If you remember in geometry, you had to prove these things that you probably hated, how to prove these two lines parallel or how to prove, and you had to go step one, this equals that, step two, that, that, that. Step three, therefore, this triangle is the same as that triangle. Each statement in a proof is called a lemma. Okay. When you get in a proof to a lemma that goes in two directions, that's problematic in trying to prove something because that lemma is a die lemma. It goes in two directions. Okay. So our die lemma is that we have two truths going on. One is it's important to hold on to the status quo and the systems that exist. And two, it's important to get rid of the systems that exist because they're not working anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what we're really facing. You know, the whole COVID thing is is very real. I'm not in any way pretending that there's not an issue there. I'm just pretending that this is, I'm not pretending, I'm stating that this is a symptom and that we have, like the governor of Florida has basically declared it illegal for a government or school to ask if someone has been vaccinated and in fact has um, uh, made it a, by, by executive decree, um, has basically opened up everything and has declared um, that, that um, there will be no um, documentation of who is vaccinated and who is not. Now, I, I'm, I'm not saying that as either I agree or disagree with him, well, obvious, well, whatever. <laughs> <coughs> I'm just saying that this is a symptom of how, of how wide the conflict and dilemma is. Right. We have people that are on differing political, we have people who believe different things about, about COVID, about abortion, about climate change, um, about, I mean, the, the list, you know, go, about um, 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 relationship rights, body sovereignty, um, gay rights, uh, um, uh, racism. I mean, the list is, is forever. But every one of those issues, you can pick any one of them. And when you come with your decision on what side you might fall of on that issue, there's 20 people who now assume that you've made this, a decision on all the other issues. Right. In other words, there's a complex political environment that entangles these issues in a way that are, they're not entangled. However, they all come down to, on some level, a fear of the conflict between Saturn, what is and what was, and Uranus as what could be. So this comes on the heels of maybe the most significant astrological year in modern history, and that is 2020, when there was a grouping of three planets in Capricorn, including that Saturn-Pluto that we talked about. And incidentally, the Saturn-Pluto exact date was January 12th, 2020. And it was on that date that the first mortality of COVID was announced and the genome was announced. But obviously there was more to 2020 than just COVID because there was a whole political scene. There is the falling apart of the American electoral process where you have 70% of the people of one of two major parties thinking that the election was a hoax and was rigged. And then you have the other saying, WTF, you know, and, 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 and again, I'm not, I'm not here. My purpose is not to say one is right or wrong. 
Although I believe if you're saying one is right and the other is wrong, but I don't, but that's not my point. My point is that the two sides on most of these issues have nothing in common and have no dialogue they can have with the other side. Mm -hmm. And, and, and in a way, um, this now brings up the, the, the deeper sense of the root of this problem. And that is that a neurosis can be, can be cured or managed through conversation, through therapy. Psychosis cannot. And what's happened is that we now have an exonervous system, the World Wide Web, this, 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 this nervous system that exists outside of us that we are now inside of, and it's psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> so how long will this last? I can tell you this. I don't know when or if COVID will settle down, um, but I do know that it's going to take through this year, 2021, um, until we feel like there's some sense of how the old and new might play out. But it's really going to take until the end of 2022. That's a year and a half from now until we can look back at the period of 2020, 2021 and say, what the hell happened? Right. Um, I mean, this is astrologically a huge period of time. And, and, um, and often with the largest periods of time, there was a similar period of time um, in the, um, the, I don't have the date in, in, in my mind, but it was in the early 1500s, um, uh, 1520, I think 1519, um, when Martin Luther King, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther um, uh, actually began what we call the Protestant Reformation by nailing these um, 99 um, theses, statements of truth on the wall of his church in Württemberg, Germany. Now, we call that the origins of the Protestant Reformation. Locals at the time called that the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. You hear the difference in the meaning of those words? Mm -hmm. Protestant Reformation, sure, we all know what the Protestant Reformation was. But, but if you think of it as protesters trying to reform the authoritative power of Rome, you know, we begin to realize that there was something very different occurring. But they didn't know then what the ramifications would be of that one action that would actually be the thing that took the power away from the absolute central power of the Catholic Church. And I think that we're at that same point, and that began, this is separate from COVID, but that was also part of 2020, and this is feeding into what's going on this year and next year. So I really think it's going to take another couple of years for things to um, settle down and I was, I caught myself wanting to say and return to normal, but, yeah. but, but there will never be an old normal. We, um, we are moving into a new normal and, um, and that's just the way evolution works and how all this will play out, which side of this will win, whether it will be Saturn or Uranus. You look back in history, it's not always pretty and it's not always obvious, but we can turn civilization around on a dime right now because of how metaphysical reality is. And when I say metaphysical, I don't mean just the higher spiritual vibration. I mean non-physical. How much of our world exists 
in electromagnetic vibration and how resonant and responsive electromagnetic vibration is, unfortunately, even to fear, which is why this pandemic is so powerful, because the fear is rampant. I mean, I have I have friends who I've known for 40 years who I, I can't talk to. I know. I can't talk to them. Well, we we live in different universes and there yeah. is no commonality. And and I've tried. I've tried to find commonality. And yet that's what, where it's it's like your it's like your quincunxes in your stellium, astrological words. It's like these two parts of you that don't know each other exist. It, it's your body. It's one body. You have to figure out how to make a life where they get along. Mm-hmm. We have to do that, too, whether we will do that successfully or not. Don't know. Ask me in three years. Yeah, it's funny because I intuitively had felt that more so summertime of next year, things would get better. But there's still going to be other issues that arise from the things that didn't get dealt with during this period of time. But I have to say, too, a lot of people think that things are written in stone. I don't believe that. I feel like we're all growing and changing. And by us evolving, it helps the earth to evolve and things. So my point is, is I think that there is a possibility that this can um, end well. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom and whatnot. All right. So here's the thing. I believe that things are written in stone and I've stood at Kilauea um, in, in Hawaii and watch stone run like water. I believe things are written in, well, hold on. You understand what I just said? In other words, something written in stone, lava, uh, stone, there's nothing permanent about stone. Totally. Got it. I missed that. It went over my head. (laughs) No, no. It's, it's like, so what if something is written in stone? If, If anyone who's ever seen a lava flow knows that stone runs just as fast as water. Right. That's so true. And so, yeah, I believe that there are structures. There are systemic um, uh, structures. The word status quo. You know, most words with the word with the letters S and T in it um, derive ultimately from the word Saturn. Status, stability, stamina, strength, austerity, constriction, crystallization. Um, all, all these words have to do with 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 making things real, with a test that forces us to to pull in and get real and to, um, you know, and, and to create something that has structure stuff. And so Saturn is requiring us to make it real, but right now we're in a state of alloy. Uh, we're, like we're, we're flowing. You, you mix bronze or you make bronze by mixing um, tin and copper. Tin and copper are both malleable. You mm-hmm. melt them together. And as long as they're liquid, you can form anything you want out of them. But once they, solidify they become bronze and you can't remelt it It, it's something different and we are in the state right now of this of of all those things that have been written in stone are melted and mixing with something else and how will this solidify and reform well that remains to be seen i totally agree with you i think that just because something is written in stone doesn't mean that evolution won't melt it and change it into something else right there's always hope. That's my point. Oh, yeah. And again, for you, the Jupiter, the planet of hope in your chart in Sagittarius, lined up with Uranus, the planet of rebellion and the future and the edge, the eccentricity, is like your sense of hope is 
that lightning coming in through enlighten, enlightenment from some distant, you know, galaxy, space, time, continuum, whatever, you know, the weirder, the better. When I look at your chart, I think of Niels Bohr um, when saying quantum physics isn't stranger than you think. It's stranger than you can, it's stranger than you can think. And so I look at your chart and I go, yep, you're a Taurus, but, but your chart is stranger than people can think. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's creepy. I love it, just, it. No, I love it. It just means that, 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 that you're not satisfied with that Taurian status quo because you have a sense of that which is that hope in which lightning can strike and anything and everything can change in just that flash of, of a, awareness. Yes. And it, it, like today, can things can be one day and then tomorrow my life can be completely different. I've had that theme all throughout my life. And so I feel like that's yeah. a perfect description. Yep. Well, it was I, so nice speaking to you. You're amazing. If people are, so are you still doing individual readings or? Uh, I kind of, yes. I have a fairly significant, I, I have a long waiting list. I, I tell people that if they're waiting for a reading, if it's an emergency, dial 911. Um, <laughs> uh, people can get a hold of me um, uh, through my email, which is rlevine, like Rick, rlevine at stariq.com. Star, like astrology, IQ, I think of it like smart astrology, stariq.com. Um, on Instagram, I write a daily, I call it a planet pulse. It's kind of like a daily horoscope, but it's not about signs. It's about the planetary energy for each and every day. Um, and, um, and, I, and I do that with a picture and a one, a couple, couple of words for, for the day. Um, and, um, and, and I'm on Instagram at Rick Levine Astrologer. Um, and so that's a good place to just, you know, keep up with my daily one-liners and deeper if you want to go. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, Rick Levine Astrologer there also. And you're on YouTube as well. Well, yeah, yeah. in YouTube, if you, it, YouTube is, it's a different name. It's a complicated story. But if you do a YouTube search on Rick Levine Astrologer, it will bring you to my page. But again, the easiest way is to go, if you're on Instagram, is to go to Rick Levine Astrologer on Instagram. And in my bio, there's a link to all of my current stuff, whatever my current stuff is. I do a weekly, uh, a weekly, it's a podcast and a video. It's a YouTube live um, on the Astrology Hub. And, um, and I've done about 40 of those in the past year. And those are all available again on the link of my, on my YouTube. I've done, and they're all, they're all listed by their topic. So I've done things on astrology and past lives, astrology and, um, and, and mediumship. I've done things on, on, on a variety of topics on what are the greatest misuses of astrology? Um, what's the, what, what's the biggest misconception about each of the 12 signs? I mean, there it's a wide variety, but all of that is available from my Instagram feed. Um, and you go to the bio, there's a link tree thing that has all my current stuff. Okay. Well, I'll share all of your information on both, um, of my Instagrams and just out of curiosity, how long is your wait list? I feel like people are going to ask me, which is why I'm asking. A couple years. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's significant. And because I've been doing so much teaching and so much online stuff, 
I'm pecking away at it. The, the, the list grows longer. The thing is, if someone sends me an email to rlevine at staryq.com, if they send me an email, that is their chronological placeholder. And although they may go on with their life and they may forget about this, at some point in time, they'll get an email and say, you know, saying if you're, there's no obligation, no requirement, no money, um, you'll get an email at some point in time and says that, you know, two years ago, you, you know, you sent me the, an email, your, your, your name has come up. And if you're still interested, here are some times available. Here's the cost here. And if not cool. So. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for all the wisdom, for taking the time to educate all of us. And it was a real pleasure having you. Yay. Well, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, oh, and by the way, if anyone is really serious about wanting to get a first wave of of, of serious learning about astrology, um, you know, the astrology hub dot com slash foundation. Um, is my foundation, uh, my astrology foundations course. It's 20 short lessons. Um, and it's actually incredibly fairly priced. Um, and it is accessible, but there's a lot of good astrology right now out there on the web. The problem is that there's a lot of bad astrology too. And Mm -hmm. it's hard for the, um, uninitiated to separate out the person who is smiling and sounding very intelligent from the person who is really uh, astrologically serious and intelligent. It's, it's a tough thing sometimes. Right. I know that's the issue that I was having. I had a lot of people messaging me, asking me for a good astrologer and I haven't found one except now I have you, but um, all right. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I'm also, if someone is interested in doing something sooner, I have a list of referrals. I'm absolutely happy to give people a list of of names. And I would suggest anyone who's interested in having their chart done, um, you know, interview an astrologer just like you would an attorney, an an accountant or a medical doctor. You know, I mean, it could be done via email, but you want to know what someone's credentials are. You want to know, you know, if there are, you know, you you want to do research. You want to know who the person is that you're trusting. Um, There are, you know, many credentials and an astrologer who is credentialed, who, you know, has either a certificate or license from various organizations, Um, you know, watch someone on YouTube, get a sense of what their vibe is. Um, But don't go out and hire someone who doesn't feel good. Right. I agree. Yeah. All right. How about, um, can I send you an email and then you email me the people that you um, have worked with before that you can refer? So then I can share it on Instagram. Yeah, I could do that. It might take me a bit to put together a list of more than one or two, but yes. Even one or two is fine. Yeah, sure. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for being a great hostess. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please visit my website, mediumkareen.com to contribute to my new crowdfund. I will be picking three people who donated to receive a free session with me before the end of this year. Thank you so, so much. If you've already contributed, it means more than you know. Blessings. Blessings.